Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me, the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNOTO. Mark, good day, sir. Uh, I thought we were just going to come in here and talk about the Grizzlies. Uh, I, a game, that game last night, I don't, you don't see many cough up a big lead and then make it, and yet the headline can still reasonably say the Grizzlies nearly pulled off an improbable comeback. No, I think Pete and Brevin said it best. I don't know with six seconds left if I've ever seen that. I mean, I know what there's Reggie Miller, what he scored. He scored nine points. Was it 31 or nine points? Was it nine points in 17 seconds, maybe? Um, yeah, it was uh, eight. Well, he scored eight points in nine seconds. Eight points in nine seconds. Now, the thing, though, that was different about this was he tied the game in just 5.5 seconds. It was like the way it unfolded. You had the the it was a testament to New Orleans stupidity. Like that foul on Dylan, Dylan didn't even really have to sell it. He got knocked down. Mm-hmm. Like he got knocked to the ground and then they couldn't get the ball in. Yeah. It was uh well, I thought we were going to come in and, you know, talk about well, was is should we be worried about the Grizzlies? Coughing up another huge lead for the third game in the row, or is this just eh, this is like end of season basketball? Kings lost, much ado about nothing here. There is no question the Kings losing and losing very quickly right after the Grizzlies that took the sting off. Yeah, it took the sting. Well, I guess the other thing that I was thinking of because we obviously with Tasty Take Thursday, it's going to be a lot of John Morant. Heads mm. up. The thing that I thought last night, like. There's been plenty of blown leads that if you want to if you want to take 
something negative away, like, see, this is going to cost them, that's going to cost them. There have been plenty of other better examples. I thought last night was quite simple. New Orleans got so hot from three that that was just one of those games. Like, I didn't feel like this was a typical Grizzlies blown lead. Like, I felt like the Pelicans went and got it. And then, God, that was some incredible shot making from Ingram also. Yeah, well, he got, he got fouled a lot too down the stretch. And, uh, but like, there's that, that shot over Dylan. Like, that was good defense. Yeah, no, he he hit some, he he made some big plays. Um, McCollum hit some big shots for them, and then um, Trey Murphy. Yeah, Trey Murphy hit some huge shots and ignited a Zaire Williams debate on Twitter. Um, again, thought we were gonna talk about that all to start today's show when I woke up this morning, and and perhaps I think we'll talk about it with Eric Hasseltine at two forty or so. He's the uh, radio voice of the Grizzlies. He'll join us from the road. Here in about uh, 35, 40 minutes or so, uh, 3 o'clock, we will get into the list, and then 3.30 or so, Jason Smith will join us. But, Jeffrey, right in time for Tasty Take Thursday, uh, the Washington Post dropped a, I believe it's over 5,000 words, this story from the Washington Post. It's a, I I would call it. It was a 27-minute read. I would call it the most complete uh, and detailed um, rundown, if you will, of everything involved with John ja Morant's, I guess they called it summer of trouble or something like that, or like summer of, uh, summer of missteps, you know, and basically that encompasses the fight or whatever, the punch, the punches thrown, the scuffle, depending skirmish. on skirmish, skirmish, depending on who you listen to, um, at his home over in a, in a pickup basketball game with, um, who a was at the time a 17-year-old who subsequently filed a lawsuit against Ja when charges were not, uh, after charges well, were not. To be clear, his mother filed charges mm-hmm. because he was a minor. His, mo- his mother filed a lawsuit. Lawsuit, I beg your pardon. Mm-hmm. Filed a lawsuit. Yes, thank you, not charge. You can't. That'd be interesting if the citizens filed charges. Mm-hmm. His mother files the lawsuit, and then when he turned 18, he filed. Yes. And so now, I, I mean, we knew who the player was, but now we can say it publicly. It's not revealing him. He's, he's put his name out there publicly in this Washington Post story. He spoke with them. Josh Holloway, uh, I believe, played at St. George's previous when The last time he played locally was at St. George's. He played for Oak Hill this past year. I think he's he's a Division One recruit. Um, I don't know exactly who he's committed to or anything like that. Um, but uh, a a pretty good basketball player. Let's uh, let's just put it that way. Um, and uh, so we have more details from that. More details from the incident at the mall, um, including uh, more details involving John Morant, and then a I guess a retelling of the um, incident at Houston High School uh, involving Ja's mother and sister and. And as well, you know, he was there, but it doesn't sound like he was. No one has alleged he did. He personally did anything uh, in that Houston high school incident where he showed up uh, with a, with some associates, if you will, or friends and family members. Um, but um, yeah, it's there's new details, and I think the overarching theme of the story, and what I think is, you know, like there's some people who are saying this is just like a the same. Th- just bringing up the same stuff again, and and I push, I would push back on that. This is like uh, 
there's a lot of new stuff we did not know in this story, um, including the fact that, um, or not, I shouldn't say fact, the allegation that um, John Morant went into the shoe store during the incident involving his mother at the mall and threatened an employee of finish line um, through a door, I guess. Basically said he was going to wait till the guy came out. Um, because no, it seemed like he went into the store. That's what I mean. He like the, yeah. the, the the employee was back in like a stock room hiding, or that's how he claimed it. But the both the employee of the finish line and Josh Holloway gave interviews to the Washington Post. The Josh Holloway stuff, I think, rightfully can be tinged with a lot of caveats of well, he's suing John Morant for a lot of money, you know, like um, he's seeking a lot of money and damages, and so I and. Everything he says has to be viewed within that context. The finish line employee, not suing John Morant, not trying to press more charges or anything like that. Just kind of said, like, you know, I like honestly, the the perspective he gave made John Morant seem like a bully a little bit. A um, little bit. Yeah, not, not a little bit. Um, now, I'm sure Ja's response would be, like, my mom said she was in trouble and I came to defend my mom. That's kind of what he said to Jalen Rose. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in there, but the overarching narrative is that of various law, local law enforcement turning, basically doing shoddy investigations purposefully. Um, that's the narrative they're trying to paint. Like they did not fully investigate any of these cases involving John Morant. And subsequently he was not, he's not been charged with anything criminally. Um, right when you say that's kind of there's little details that are new and there's it's a more complete rundown of exactly what happened or what exactly what everyone has alleged happened on all sides. But then the bigger picture story of it is the law enforcement did half, you know, half, for lack of a better term, half assed investigations. That's what the, the that's the picture that. The Washington Post is trying to paint that a bunch of local law, whether it's Shelby County Sheriff's Department, the Memphis police, or um, even uh, the Germantown police as well, did, you know, half half assed investigations because they, you know, basically gave John Morant the star treatment. I, I would say to me. The story reads like. The previous story they had was like a rundown of. Here's the information we have. This, to me, felt like the feature that you would do. You don't have video, but didn't it read very cinematically? Like, to me, it was a, it read with way more detail, and it was almost as if painting the scene. Yeah. I mean, based on, again, the documents provided and and my, I wouldn't even say suspicion, but, like, it's very clear, like, John Morant's side wasn't cooperating with the reporters from the Washington Post. Well, I mean, I think but people they, on other sides of this story were they they uh, I didn't highlight it, but there was a parenthetical. I believe they got a hold of Jaw's mother. Yes. And then when they identified herself, she hung up. Yeah. Uh so I got that felt that felt very much in there about cooperation. But yeah, I think it's fair to say the characterization of the story from the post is more of John Morant has gotten away with all of this. Yes. Um, yes. And I'll say this, like, 
Well, here, here's here's my tasty take, Jeffrey, for based on this story. And again, I know, like, look, I know there's some Grizzlies fans out there who are going like, this is this is just rehashing everything we already knew, essentially. Like, yeah, there's more details, but Ja has not done anything else. Like, Ja has not done anything new wrong here. Okay, even though this story has come out. Um, here's what I would say: two things can be true. All right. The various local law enforcement here did give John Morant star treatment. It's, it seems, I think there's enough there for me to say, you know what, they did probably treat him differently than Joe Memphian, or the, you know, like in these incidents. They treated him like he was a star, you know, the biggest star in Memphis. All right, I, I'll, I'll let you finish your take. Go ahead. Because I, I don't know. I but, I would, about this. but I would say this, because this can also be true, and this is true. There's also plenty of people who don't get charged for punching someone in a fight or threatening someone in, like, a public place. There are plenty of people who don't get charged for those things. Because when push comes to shove, if we're really to go into what did Ja Morant do in these instances that we can say, you know, or is alleged to have done, it's that he, if you're to believe Joshua, Joshua Holloway, he beat up Joshua Holloway. And he threatened a store clerk at the finish line at the mall and maybe threatened a mall cop. That's what he did. Well, and then the Houston, then the Houston. But like John Moran, if you read through all that stuff, John Moran didn't do anything there. He just was there. Like no one has alleged John did. John did not hit a phone out. That was one of his friends hit a phone out of someone's hands. His mom was like threatening the kid who called his sister the B word. You know, like it wasn't Ja who did anything. He was there, though. He was present. Um, but based on the incident reports, nothing in the Houston High incident, no, nobody has suggested Ja did anything there. Um, and so that's what it comes down to. And so, like, should he have been, should the police have done a more thorough investigation? Yeah, absolutely. They should have. But again, I would point out that like there are plenty of people who don't get charged with assault when they get in a fight with someone. So let's take. There's plenty of people who don't get charged when they threaten someone. Maybe they should have in some instances, but like, and it doesn't happen all the time. Let's let's take the very first point, and mm-hmm. the point that I definitely think the post is trying to convey, mm-hmm. and I think that point is, John ja Morant got preferential treatment from law enforcement. Yes. Are we sure that's true? Mm. Because think about it this way. Well, they're basing it on transcripts of like interviews, like basically that they didn't do any, fo- they didn't do many follow ups. They didn't, you know, they didn't follow up, uh, you know, talking to, you know, for instance, the shoe, the shoe salesman who's claiming he got beat up. They never called him um, after once he filed his initial charges. Right. But let's be clear. I think there's a difference between and they avoided asking Ja certain questions, or they did not ask Ja certain questions that could have been pertinent to the investigation. So I think, but that's according to the Washington. It's like a lot of a little bit of Washington Post infused, you know, opinion there a little bit. Right. So at a certain point, you are behold. Like I used to, we used to say this when you're watching sports on TV, or if you're watching a reality show, you are whoever's producing it is kind of, they're they're showing you what they want to show. They're portraying their narrative. Mm-hmm. It seems to me, when you read it, 
they want you to believe that this is John Morant getting super, like preferential treatment because he's John Morant. Or I'm not necessarily. I guess the way that I'm saying is I don't view it. I don't think they proved it. I don't think they showed it. What I do think that what I think they showed was because it is John Morant. I think law enforcement had to be careful because I yeah. think at a certain point, if we go and arrest John Morant, mm-hmm. like that makes news. I think that happens everywhere. Like, yeah. see the former president just getting arraigned. He got arraigned very differently than you and I would have gotten arraigned. Like, yeah. like I, I think yeah. that they showed that they were being careful. The other aspect of it, a lot of this seems like it's too, like you have, he said, he said, or he yeah. said, she said. Ultimately. Ultimately, it is in both cases, the mall incident and the and the mall incident, the lesser to a lesser extent. But the the certainly the basketball game, pickup basketball game fight, scuffle, skirmish, whatever you want to call it. Um, that is a well, this side has this version of events. And like Jaw's side has their version of events, and Josh Holloway has his version of the events, and that's like, why. And it seems like Joshua Holloway's had multiple versions of his events. Now that's that's the other, that's another part that's pointed. You know, the post asked him about that. Like basically, his story has changed since the initial. Like he didn't mention Jaw took out a gun when he first filed charges, and then he then he brought that up later on, and his reasoning was. You know, essentially, as time wore on a little bit, he, you know, in the moment when he filed the charges, he was hopped up on adrenaline and all and stuff like that. And um, so there certainly were conveniences. Uh, yeah, um, I would say this. This is another this is this is another tasty take. The the stuff involving the pickup basketball game fight because of the lawsuit, none of none of that's going to stick on Ja. I just, you know what I mean? Like, he might have to settle, whatever. Like, it's all tinged with you're seeking a bunch of damages from a rich basketball player because he didn't get charges filed against him like you wanted, and now it feels like opportunistic a little bit. Would you agree with that? Say it one more time. Like, he didn't get any charges filed against him after a punch got thrown or whatever. I think think this is, you know, it comes, some people, a good amount of people are going to look at this and go, you know, you wouldn't have sued Joe Memphian if he had punched your son or whatever. You know, like if you had gotten punched by them. It's like John Morant, so it's different. Yes. I would say this. I don't know if I speak for everyone, mm-hmm. but this was, when I was reading it, this was my point of view. Boy, this, the Holloway story mm-hmm. feels like a lot of information is coming from Team Holloway. Mm-hmm. It it felt very convenient that they had access. The story to- leans heavily on Holloway's Correct. lawsuit. Number and- two, there looked like there was a photo shoot with him. Yes, looked like here in Memphis downtown. Correct. Yeah. Third, it feels now, to be like- fair, like that's probably the Washington Post. Like we sure. need a portrait. We need to get a portrait of this guy. Yeah, but it looked like the it looked like the photos of the photos of. Of uh, Busby looked like they just got him from social media. Well, I don't think Busby was like. If you read the story, the yeah, shoe sales, like got him the, the shoe phone. clerk, they just called up, and he like was willing to give his side of the story when he when he was called. It seems like 
I'll just be honest, it seems like a lot of the stuff they got here is from the lawsuit. And as someone who has looked at what you can get from a public records perspective from the lawsuit, you know, there's stuff that's redacted in the public. You know, this the case just got unsealed in the last week or so, the, the lawsuit between Ja and Holloway. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that's redacted from some of these documents that you can get through a public records request. Yeah, I guess which would suggest to me that the Washington Post got it through other got some of this stuff through other means. I agree that this doesn't feel like it's going to stick to him. This story the the Holloway story mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's going to stick to him. Again, we'll see what happens in the court case that does or doesn't. Mm-hmm. It feels like a shakedown. Mm. It really does. It yeah. re- everything that my my interpretation was this feels like a shakedown. Mhm. I'm not saying and that Jaw's ja- attorneys have alleged as much. And Jaw didn't help himself. Like there is like a certain element of like, what are you doing punching like a 17 year old? Like yeah. even if like you're the same size, even or, if he instigated right, like, it. Like what are you doing? Like and probably the most interesting part of that part portion of the story, the the lawsuit part, is the Instagram messages between Alex Lomax and John ja Morant. Uh, private message because apparently Josh Holloway, Joshua Holloway is Alex Lomax's cousin. And at some point soon after the incident, Alex Lomax sent Instagram message, an Instagram message to job ja, basically asking like, why the hell, why the hell did you do this to my cousin? He's just a kid. And Ja responded back. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here. Like, you know, he was disrespectful to me and like, that's, you can't just disrespect me like he did. Um, or something like that. Which, by the way, can we all in a- agree? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the dumbest excuses ever. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's it's. I'll tell you this: it's slightly different than what Ja has told police. You know, like Ja said, you know, the now maybe dis, you know, maybe the instigation that Ja said, like Ja has painted the picture of he felt threatened, and that's why he punched Joshua Holloway. Like he, it's like he's reversed it on Joshua Holloway said basically, you know, Ja punched him first, and Ja said Holloway initiated it by throwing a basketball in his face aggressively and stepping towards him as if he was about to fight, and Ja felt he had to just protect himself ultimately. Yeah, I just think that if I'm Ja Morant and someone, quote unquote, disrespects me, like, I don't know, that's very poor judgment of like, and I maybe that makes me. No, I mean it makes. I mean, maybe that makes me a coward. I don't know. Like, I don't. Th- well, it's just it, it was. He, you know, I think this does all play into the narrative and the reality that for a while there he probably felt. I don't know if invincible is the right word, but like he was riding high on who he'd become as a. You know, I see. I think it actually plays into, like, Ja was trying. Like, I really do believe Ja wanted. I don't know if he saw himself like this, but wanted I people felt, to think he was hard. Yeah, yeah. Wanted to be a tough guy. Yeah, um, we got that. But I, I think the point you're trying to make, and like my taste take would be, the thing that was the most compelling part of what came out today is that shoe salesman at the finish line, and you know, because he's not trying to get money out of John Morant, he's not trying to press charges on John Morant anymore. Um, he just got, re- you know, the Washington Post reached out to him and he explained what happened and how scared he was in the moment, and. You know, I I don't know if he's telling the truth, but I feel more inclined to believe his like his version of things. 
because he's not out to get something. Yeah, this is my first tasty take. Mm. With all due apologies to Mr. Busby. I don't know when you yeah, read his, his name because is... there's no pronunciation. It's it's G I V O N. So yeah, Javon, it's either Javon, yeah. Given. I I apologize. So forevermore, he'll be referred to as Mr. And Bus- by the way, he said he did not know Mr. Busby. He in his telling of this story, it wasn't like he knew he was work. He was dealing with John ja Morant's mother. Correct. In the he 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 was just dealing. John ja Morant's mother felt he had he had. Uh, Disrespected her. Well, yeah, felt that he had been helping out two white customers Correct. before her when he should have been helping her, um, and then didn't have the shoe that she wanted. Which again, this goes back to the original time when we originally talked about this. I'm still unclear why John Morant's mother was having to go to finish line to get shoes when you know your son is John Morant and has the Nike deal. But regardless of that, basically, regardless, regardless excuse me. Regardless, is yeah, the opposite. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's, it means the same thing. It's just why are you putting IR? It's the same thing. <laughs> um, but she kept saying, I'm going to call my son. I'm going to call my son. He didn't know the son was John Morant, Busby. Um, Found out pretty quickly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he said he cowered for nearly an hour in the back of the sneaker store as Morant threatened him. Um, but Memphis police did not list Morant as a suspect. Um, and recorded the name of Ja's mother, Jamie Morant, as unknown to shield, and it shielded both from public scrutiny, as as the Post sort of alleges in their story. Um, and Busby, again, as we said earlier, did not hear from police again. Um, so, um, but he said, you know, like you know, ultimately, um, he said he fe- he was very fearful. In the moment, and it, we had not heard that Ja went into the shoe store and threatened a you know a salesperson like that. So, of all the sto- of all the narratives in the story, Busby's narrative, I felt like the Washington Post made it very clear. His story had been consistent the entire time. It was the same that he he mm-hmm. put on social media the night after the story that he told the cops and the story that he recounted to the Post. I think they made it very clear his story was believable. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you read that one, it came across as the most impactful. Mm-hmm. Because you could really... Whether or not he was threatened, I get why he felt threatened. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to my, my first tasty take. Mm-hmm. John Morant, if you want to, uh, if you want to fight the Holloway one by all means go ahead that one seems like there's bad blood and and if you want to go after that one by all means i would call up mr busby mm-hmm. and i'd apologize and i'd offer to pay for his college yeah because he said so he he made nine dollars 25 cents an hour at the finish line and said losing his pay for the rest of the day stung um he'd been saving for the next semester of college Correct. that was why he had the job at the time um he posted on social media about the incident that night, describing it the same way. Four days later, he went to a Memphis police precinct to report what happened. Uh, the resulting police report, um, which the Post obtained through a public records request, showed that Busby told the same story to an officer. He told the police that the store had security cameras so they re- could review footage if needed. 
but the police never followed up, Busby, Busby said. I quote, I just feel like they thought I was lying, basically. Yeah, um, the, the way that, again, it appears that the, the Team Morant, team, not T, Team Morant, it feels like the company policy right now is don't back down. Mm-hmm. On this one specific issue, I would back down. Whether or not you think you did something right, wrong or not. And again, I think it's entirely possible. I think it's entirely possible the way that the story was conveyed to Ja that he thought something else happened. Mm-hmm. No, I would say that. I think that you could. I think, he, I think you can spin. This one you can spin. This yeah. one, if you want to get a little good PR. When you don't feel like you've well, been getting what I would PR, do it is I would do it quietly. I would if I, if sure, I'm John Moran, I'm not saying I'm like, not responding to this latest report. You, like I'm going with, I'm going if I'm advising John Morant and all this right now. I'm saying if someone comes up and asks you about this after, you know, a game tonight or tomorrow in Milwaukee or mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. Like, I think your response is like I already talked about that. Yeah, like something like that. I don't think you. I think John Morant does himself no good by either trying to defend himself or whatever. Like I think, but I do think I think you're right. Quietly, maybe, you know, go see if you can make things right on this one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm not even necessarily saying like, okay, you have to do it as a PR stunt. I just think, I think that feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. To me, like again. That that is that was the most compelling part of the story. A hundred percent. Everything else feels a little, you know, I don't want to say manipulated because I think it's I, like there's some people out on Twitter, you know, that the diehards going like this is, ter- you know, this is nothing new, blah blah blah. And it's like I think there's some good work here done by the Washington Post. Like frankly, as a as a media member in Memphis, like I'm pretty embarrassed that every little detail basically of this story has been broken by national media and no one here in Memphis broke the story and like you know like i'm embarrassed like frankly me personally i don't know if other you know media members are but like it is like kind of a um much like you know the police honestly like it feels like we you know i i can say i'll say this i'll speak for myself it feels like i was you know naive maybe because of jaw's stardom and how different it was for a place like memphis but like the reality is um we all should have done better here you know, like everyone involved, the police, the media, Ja, you know, like we all could have done better here, a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, I like Ja did it and like, the, you know, like I, I still don't know if the like, you know, I would venture to guess the Memphis police handle a ton of he said, she said, this person punched me, this person attacked me type of situations on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis every year. Has anybody read a crime report recently? <laughs> I think their hands are full. Um, you know. I and, guess, okay, here's the... Here's but the, I think your point is good that, like, ultimately, like, yeah, there was some star treatment to a certain extent, but, like, don't you kind of have to do that? It's going to be high profile. When it involves someone Wait, like you, John Morant and Memphis? I, don't I think you have to be careful. Yeah. Careful doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting preferential treatment. It just acknowledges that it becomes a national story if you arrest John Morant. You better have your P's and Q's lined up. 
because it's going to bring more scrutiny. Mm-hmm. I think, though, I don't know. I, I understand how you feel because I know it's just like journalist guilt. And like ultimately, like, it's it like some people may disagree, but this is like a this, today's story was a big story that deserved to be reported out. And the previous stories were stories. Like, it's not a conspiracy or anything like that. Like, I think these are worthwhile stories that are being written. And like new, there were new a lot of a lot of new stuff in this story today. Just like there was new stuff in a lot of the other stories that have been written. So I guess I I do understand for all the crap that I make fun of journalists. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you're my friend. Like I believe that you do journalism the right way. Like you do it the way that I think it it should be done. And like that's why I never give you crap. Mm-hmm. In fairness to you, and I understand like you're going to take this one hard. Like mm-hmm. this, like because you took it hard the last time that the yeah. got done, and I understand that. Well, because you look back and you go, "There's a lot of things I could have done here where I could have gotten this story, or I could have gotten to the bottom." The bottom I think there's a key distinction though, mm. and this is my this is my spidey sense more than anything. And okay. again, I'm not. I want to be clear. I agree with you. This story should have been reported. I have no problem that well, of why this story got written. I I'm completely in agreement with you. Mm-hmm. I believe the writers were tipped off. This story felt spoon-fed to me, very mm. much from the Holloway attorney camp. Well, it's just the, the ultimate reality is why is the Washington Post poking around so much on John Morant? Correct. And that, to me, implies spoon-feeding. Mm-hmm. I also think, though, that's part of the reason why Javon Busby or Mr. Busby's, I think the reason why his story felt way more believable and I think it was way more powerful, they're did not seem to be an agenda. It seemed to be they got, they got his. They found him on the. They phone. got his name and they got him to pick up the phone, and he told yeah. he told his side of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it comes across. Everything else feels orchestrated. Like I know you say, like I don't know if I want it to be manipulated. It just feels orchestrated, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm saying it keeps coming off as a shakedown. I think though this is how I view it. There was nothing new today, other than maybe some more detail. Mm-hmm. We didn't learn that. No, Ja did not do anything else. Like, he has not done anything wrong since he came back from his suspension. You know what I mean? Like, Correct. There's nothing new he did wrong here. This is this is a more complete picture right. of what happened this summer. Right, and we learned about the the DMs from ALO. Well, the, but, the, the, the loss, yeah. the, the, the new detail really is the lawsuit involving him and Holloway got unsealed. It, it had been sealed. The player was named, um... We got, Just the whole, everything, yeah. all we, the documents. Yeah. It used to be when you looked up John Morant on the Shelby County Circuit Court database, didn't show up. He's not, he didn't have a case against him that was of public view. Now, if you go look it up, you can see a whole docket of like all the back and forth that John Morant and John Morant's attorneys and Joshua Holloway's attorneys have had since basically September when this lawsuit was filed. Correct. So what I'm saying is the plot was not advanced today. We did not learn anything new in mm-hmm. terms of the plot, if you will. Ja Morant, the Grizzlies, everyone, maybe the city. Mm-hmm. I think you need to hope that there's nothing else down the pipeline. Mm. Like because, there's not another incident, and, and, a new incident or something. And again, this is not... This or is an the, incident we don't know about. Correct. Let me, let me be clear on this. I'm not reporting. I don't have anything else. My spidey sense is going off, 
And here's why I'm saying my spidey sense is going off. It's entirely possible. I just don't, I refuse to believe that 5,000 words Mm -hmm. is clickbait. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. That's a, that's a heck of a lot of effort. And very rarely are you going to have multiple authors on something that's just trying to beef up page views. So I do not believe that I do These not. These are investigative reporters. Correct. I do them. not believe that this is just trying to beef up your numbers, uh, you know, for the sake of just getting more page views. My spidey sense is telling me when you start writing kind of the same story multiple times, it's not, ex- it's not always a certainty. But usually it's because you have something else. And that would be my fear. So you don't think they've hit the kill shot yet? I don't think this was, I'll say this, I don't think this was the conclusion of the Washington Post's stories on John Moran. Mm. Now, it's also entirely possible they have something else and they don't have it where they can write it. Yeah. And it's conjecture. And, and maybe it goes nowhere. I've told the story, though, when Laramie Tunsil had the gas mask on draft night, we were able to get the name. Legal never let us write the story because, mm-hmm. you know, it was always unsourced and whatnot. And so it's entirely possible that maybe they believe they have another story, but they can't write it. But my, my spidey sense says that this is not just picking on John ja Morant. My spidey sense says that there's they believe at least they have something else. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I hope you know for Jaw's sake that that's not the case. I, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, ultimately, I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know whether anything else has happened. Um, I do think, you know, I would guess he doesn't. He doesn't even need. He didn't even need this reminder that like, you know, people are watching and people are looking into everything at this point. Um, and um, at the same time, I just keep going back to he punched someone and he threatened someone. He should have done neither of those things. You cannot act like that, especially when you're in a position like John ja Moran. At the same time, he punched someone and he threatened someone. Correct. Like, it's not, like, I mean, ultimately, like, it's not good behavior it's not what you wanted out of your franchise player, your you know the city star. Like it's not a good look. But like also like again, I, I think there are a lot of people who have gotten away with punching someone and threatening someone over the years. I mean, from go, a from a legal perspective, I mean, go to a a bar in any college town in America. Well, and that's the other part of this is, I don't know, like from a certain you know like. You know, like, what were the, you know, for instance, like, people go, like, well, the Grizzlies didn't report any of this. The NBA and the Grizzlies haven't done anything about this. And I would say, like, I guess you can say that for the NBA. Like, what the hell were the, like, the Grizzlies couldn't do anything about this stuff. No, I can actually spin that as a positive. Yeah, like, they, like, you know, like, he's the biggest star the franchise has ever had. They're going to protect him. They should protect him as best they can. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, again... Like we've talked, you know, this is now out in the open, and it's a little, you know, it's it's not a good look for the Memphis law enforcement agencies. I'd say that the Washington Post is, you know, on the heels of all the other stuff going on with these departments. Let's be honest, much more real stuff. 
um, that the Washington Post is essentially in a big 5,000-word story saying you guys did shoddy work because John Morant's a basketball superstar. Um, But, you know, again, like, this is like a story. Like, the whole thing is like a story as old as the tale of time. It's more of like a college story usually, you know, like – we, we joked about it with the Michigan defensive lineman this season, Mozzie yeah. Smith, where the Ann Arbor police yeah, like, how New Michigan was waited, ready to win. waited forever to yeah. charge him with gun charges and, like, it was all sorts of caveats and he got off the hook. and Started acting like a big boy program. <laughs> like, and, you know, like, it's not like the Memphis police are the only people who protect celebrities, so to speak. Protect the ones that are good at sports. <laughs> so, um Interesting stuff. I, I'll be curious if it affects John Morant at all because it felt like he was, you know, finally uh, felt he he was finally starting to act more like he used to prior to all of this stuff. The last time we saw him after the what, what game was it the other night that I'm the last home game? Um, uh, Portland. Yeah, against Portland, yeah. he finally seemed like he was more comfortable. You know just more comfortable for the first time since he got back. And I'll be curious if this closes him up more. Because, again, if I was advising him, I'd say, like, don't talk about this anymore. Yeah, I'm on you. All right, when we come back, let's get into some of the basketball portion of what's going on. Eric joins us next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. ESPN. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. There's no better time to hit the court for some exciting basketball action. Download the BetMGM app today and bet with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. You must be 21 years or older, and you must be in Tennessee. Visit BetMGM.com for a full list of terms and conditions. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Eric Houston is the Memphis Grizzlies Radio Network play-by-play host, kind enough to join us each and every Thursday. 
Eric, have you ever seen an ending like the end of regulation last night? No, I actually chastised myself last night because after the five second call, I was like, wow, that's, you know, that made, that's probably just about it. And I had kind of gotten put on that note uh, a couple of times. It was crazy to me for multiple reasons. So, I mean, just going through the whole sequence, one, all the Pelicans fans are going like, why didn't he challenge it? Why didn't he challenge it? And I looked at one of their guys and I said, I'm pretty sure that Dylan got hit on the wrist before he landed and grabbed the guy from what I saw. And the guy, like, everybody's like, no, no, no. And I said, I'd go back and look at the angle we saw. I said, maybe I just missed it. Maybe I'm looking at it through grizzly glasses. But it looks like first foul, he got hit on the wrist on the shot and then landed. And that's why Willie Green wasn't willing to risk the challenge. I still, at that point, probably would have challenged because you feel like if you don't challenge – you know, it, it, you're going to you're just going to hold on to it anyway. You're down by two possessions. Dylan chose to to you know try to miss that last free throw, and then he gets the lane out, and you're like, all right, well that was tough. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get an offensive foul, you get the you get the opportunity to to go back to the line. It was crazy. It was just crazy. And you know, like the guys, listen, anybody will tell you that they played a tremendous first half. Uh, again, they got a, I think at times a little complacent. It, getting to the perimeter in the second half, but, you know, sometimes that happens. They're also incredibly shorthanded. And you looked at the guys that were out on the floor at the end. They were just cooked. They were just dumb. They were tired. They were exhausted. Their legs were underneath them. Um, and it's been a lot of basketball since All-Star break. You know, this is – and everybody goes through it, so I'm not crying poor Grizz. But, you know, people haven't really talked about that. Grizzlies haven't had two days off in a row since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jaron mentioned it the every other, other Yeah. Every other day, multiple back-to-backs. It was just a weird quirk to the schedule. Now you couple that with Santi getting hurt in seven minutes into the game and just a freak play. You're missing Steven. You're missing Brandon. You're getting guys some rest that need to heal up and, and John and Luke Kennard. And, so you're and Tillman. Really, yeah, and, and X, who's just giving you everything he's got. And, okay, you know, sometimes you got to get to that to that spot and just go, all right, look, we'll go out, let's fight, let's compete and see what happens. But, you know, look, we got to get some guys ready for the long run more so than the short run. Now, I, I hear all the naysayers, and it's always so easy to hyper-criticize afterwards. Well, you know, Denver's lost to Houston and Denver did this, and you could be this, and you could be that. It's like, yo, it's a – we've talked about this. We call it the war of attrition. It's who can just stay – as healthy as possible. Yeah. And obviously with the Steven injury, which is still kind of, you know, up in the air and, and hoping to, to get it right as soon as they can. The medical staff's doing everything they can, but we've talked about it. They're going to be way more concerned long-term than they are immediate future, and, and that's the right thing to do. And then, of course, you lose one of your key contributors in the second unit, Brandon Clark, to an injury. You just don't see a lot of times in a young guy, but a guy that's super athletic that sometimes these things happen. And so... Listen, it's why Rob Fisher last night on the television broadcast talked about Taylor for Coach of the Year, even though that's you know not going to happen. But he's got a case. I mean, Mike Brown's got a really good case, and so does Mark Dagonal in Oklahoma City, in my opinion. I don't think there's really anybody in the East other than maybe J.B. Bickerstaff that could stake that claim. But it's to see what these guys have done, team, coaches, medical staff, with the way the roster has gone this year, it's, it's impressive, and it, it's why – you know, at times it's exasperating for all of us because you're like, it, you do play the what if. What if we could have just had not this not had happened? What if this had not had happened? Where would this team be? And, and that can drive you crazy sometimes in pro sports. 
But I think in this case, it's it's understandable for this team. Well, and, and well, a couple things. One, you weren't alone. Pranica also on TV thought after the five second call, the game was over. Yeah, like and uh, frankly, well, everyone who's ever watched he's basketball, he's yeah, he's the most optimistic guy ever. I've I've been known to be the guy that pulls the parachute cord a little early sometimes. But I think everyone who's watched basketball on a regular basis kind of assumed like, oh, okay, yeah. well that's it. That you know, good fight, good effort, you know. Shame they they blew a double another double digit lead. Now that's what I wanted to kind of get at. I think you've alluded to it a little bit, but you know this is three straight games where they've blown big leads. Um, do you, I like I kind of view it as, and especially frankly because the Kings have cooperated. You know, I I look at this all as as you know you pointed out like Taylor should be coach of the year. It's I I look at this as they won fifty games even though all these things happened to them, um, which is I think something we shouldn't take for granted. And along those lines, I, I, while I don't want to just completely bypass the fact that they've blown a bunch of big leads lately, I'm also looking at this and going, well, you know, it's like the last week of the season. None of the, I don't know if they've played any of these blown leads have happened when they've been completely full strength. Maybe the Chicago one. Um, well, and by completely full strength, I mean right. as much as they can be full strength right now. But sure. uh, how, what, what's your level of concern that we've seen? you know, kind of similar type losses here when they've lost of late with these blown leads. I kind of look at it as it's like the end of the season and I don't really put too much stock into it, but I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, I'm with you on that, but I do put a little bit in because I think it's uh, it's part of the maturation process. And, you know, look, we, we talked about this group when they, when they started going as next year being the year we really expected them to take the big jump. We got to the playoffs. They, or they, I shouldn't say we. They got to the playoffs against Utah. They won a game without Donovan Mitchell. Then they found out this is what playoff basketball is because it was really their first time there. The next year, they're the number two seed. They knock off Minnesota in comeback fashion. And as you're watching them fall behind in these games, you're like, okay, you still haven't learned your lesson. You're a better team, but this Minnesota team's these guys are, are taking the fight to you, and you're kind of resting on your laurels. You can't do that in the playoffs. Well, they were good enough to make those comeback runs. They couldn't overcome little mistakes against a team in Golden State that, let's be frank and honest about it, nothing against the Grizzlies, because I think they still would have finished with the same record. The Warriors would have finished with a better record than them, even at 56 wins, had Curry not gone down with that injury when Marcus Spark mm-hmm. dove on the ball. Yeah. 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 The Warriors would have won 57 or 58 games probably and been the three or been the two, and the Grizzlies would have been the three. Nothing wrong with that. That's still phenomenal. So you mm-hmm. took a giant leap forward. But then you found out, hey, the margin for error when you get into the Western Conference semifinals and even deeper is very, very thin. And when you don't execute and when you don't take care of the ball and when you don't you know, defend the right way for an entire 48 minutes, it can cost you. So the hope was that this year you would take that. That, that, was, that should have been this year. In my opinion, that that mm-hmm. scenario where, where that's going on should have been, we should be doing going through that this season. But they got there a year early. And so now you're seeing some of those growing pains that still happen. These guys are all 25 or less. Your best basketball, your smartest basketball, not only physically in terms of physical maturity, but mental maturity are in your the 27, 28, 29. And maybe now for some of these guys, it's, it's starting at 26 because of, uh, the developments in technology and science and training and, and guys getting in earlier. But, I mean, that's always been the, the, the kind of moniker around the NBA. You're really not going to be 
truly great until you've had a four or five year window of success and understand what you need to do to maintain it. So yes, it's concerning. And yes, everybody's talked about it. You heard Desmond Bain in the post game interview with Rob the other night say, Hey, look, yeah, we won by 10 and, and that blazer team was a bunch of guys that literally two of them were signed off the street the week before and Skylar Mays and Justin Manaya. Um, but they had some guys that could play and they went out there and left it all out on the floor. And when you do that, that's a, that's a big difference um, of guys that are just going through the motions that know they have contracts. And so the Grizzlies, he said, we didn't play a full 48. They, they flexed their muscle in the first 12 minutes. They kind of got comfortable. All right, we can just flip a switch and, and here goes Skylar Mays for a monster night. You look at last night and, Look, I, Brandon Ingram's playing at some of his best basketball. They did a phenomenal job defensively on him in the first three quarters. No question. And Trey Murphy is having both Ingram and Murphy are close to the golden shooting season. You know, Ingram's a shade under in both field goal and free throw, but only by like a percent. Murphy's over in three-point and free throw, but just a shade under in field goal. And they let Murphy get going. They took away Ingram. But here comes Herbert Jones, and you're just leaving him wide open going, okay, well, you know, I don't care if you're a 32, 33% shooter on the whiteboard in the locker room. You leave a guy wide open like it's a 2 o'clock shoot-around shot, he's going to make it a lot more than he's going to miss it. And he did. And he's a, he's a hustle guy. And that, that group in New Orleans knew they had to have that last night. They had to have that game. Um, and they played like it down the stretch. Now, with that said, the Grizzlies still had a chance to win the ball game. So, to me, I still look at it and – you know, crazy as it sounds, here we go to game 81 tomorrow night, guys, and I'm around these guys a lot. I don't, we don't have these in-depth conversations, but you can read body language. You can see how people feel. Those guys were, were frustrated last night. They were, they were tired. They were exhausted. And everybody's kind of doing the same thing, going, all right, well, it's cool. It's this, it's that. Inside, that competitive fire is like a, like a blowtorch right now, I, I bet, amongst everybody that puts on the jersey. And they'll come out. I think they'll come out hungry Friday. I think they'll come out ready Friday. And, you know, you get Friday. And I'm not a big believer in in huge amounts of rest because it's always the rest versus rust thing. And with the way the schedule now shapes up when you're not in the plan, you you got a week off. And that's a long time. But these guys need like three, four days just to just decompress, put their feet up, go get 50 shots at each spot on the floor that you're comfortable in up get some treatment, talk to the coaches, look at some film, and just have days where you're involved, but days where you're not grinding. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. Do whatever it is that you do, you know, after Easter. I mean, unfortunately, the Masters started today. Maybe they could have watched Thursday and Friday the Masters and relaxed around their practice times. But, you know, find something that you like to do that, that takes your mind off of basketball for a day or two and go do it. Obviously... John Morant's all NBA candidacy is mm. is kind of the story, you know, because of, because of what it what it you know what it obviously means for mm-hmm. John the contract whatnot. But I was thinking about this last night. Does Jaron Jackson Jr. have a? You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 